Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Welcome to our first of what will likely be many reviews of Solo, a Star Wars story. You have found the Wretched Eye podcast and we are uh, dropping a little surprise mini up on uh, on you guys tonight. Uh, it is, uh, as we record this, it's Sunday, May 27th. I imagine this will be up later tonight. My name is Steve Baldwin and uh, Dave, do not under any circumstances call me Harry Potter. It, call him Harry Potter is joining as well. Dave, well you got to take you? that from me too. You got to take that from me too. <laughs> I'm, I just take all the joy out of your life and I take your nickname. Jesus. What kind of a host my, am I? My people are so oppressed. <laughs> well, Dave, uh, we saw not together, but we saw solo separately. We saw solo, solo. We saw it solo from each other. Yes. Yes. Uh, this week and and um, I just wanted to jump in and and have a chat about it. So what were your first impressions of Solo, a Star Wars story? So I honest, first of all, I have to lead with everything that I I enjoyed it. I did not think it was a great movie, but it was very far from a bad movie. Oh, and by the way, before you get too far, we got to say there's going to be spoilers in this. So if you have not seen Solo, a Star Wars story. I imagine Dave and I will be hitting on some important plot points, important um, surprises. And uh, so if you are if you haven't seen it or your name is Scotty Vansky, stop listening right now. Scott has not seen it yet. He's the only one. I know. I'm, well, yeah, because yeah, if you were listening at this point, you would be totally, totally spoiled if you hadn't seen the movie because we were talking about the C-3PO Boba Fett fight scene. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, you were saying so very jarring. Good, good movie. Good movie. Yeah. You enjoyed it. Yeah. Good, good movie. Solid caper movie. It honestly, in a lot of ways, felt like an Indiana Jones movie to me. Just in that there was this kind of quest. There was this weird morality of who's right and who's wrong. The good guy is kind of a good guy, but not really. Right. And he uh, he winds up with the girl. No, it's the Wookiee at the end, not the girl at the end. But whatever. Yeah, well, that's okay. <clears throat> well, maybe we'll see the girl again. You never know. They're the uh, they're. I know we're not. We don't need to go there tonight. But I think we've talked about that they're planning additional solo movies, or at least my, yeah, some my, talk about it. My guess is they signed all the lead actors with options for pickup, so that they yeah. they can hedge their bets. If they want to make another couple uh, couple movies on this story arc, they can. And if they don't, they probably just pay a minor penalty fee for breaking it and move on. But I would say that, uh, and I haven't done it yet, so I feel bad, but I enjoyed the movie so much. I'm actually going to learn how to pronounce Alden. I can, I'm actually going to learn how to pronounce his last name for the show. It's Alden. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to actually do it though. I'm going to stop fucking around because I thought the guy was solid as a, as a young Han Solo. All right. We can say it's Alden Ehrenreich. We know your name, Alden. Yes. We don't want to piss off Alden. Yeah, I don't want to piss off his friend. <laughs> That's right. We finally got to see uh, Chewie pull somebody's arm off. That was fun. That was fun. 
Although that was the jacket that was my size, but whatever. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. I really like the movie. Uh, I walked out of the movie in a good mood. I was happy. I felt like energized. Like I saw a Star Wars movie. And I got to admit, as we've talked many times <laughs> about this, I did not have that feeling walking out of The Last Jedi. Now, this is definitely a, a departure from the episodic films. No doubt. Very different. Very different feel. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I'm going to watch this movie a lot. I have a feeling. I think I'm going to own it when it comes out immediately, and I'm going to watch it a lot. I think it captured some of the magic that was missing from The Last Jedi. Once it got, once it found its footing, I mean, I would argue no. Rogue One took pretty much until the third act to really figure out what kind of movie is this going to be. This one, honestly, it, it started off feeling that way for me. And I, I was about five minutes in, I was like, oh God. This is not this is not the emotion that I want to be feeling right now watching this. And after he got off of Karelia and once he bumped into the Woody Harrelson character, that's when it, I, I realized it really settled in and it found what it was trying to do. Just kind of had to have this overly prolonged intro sequence to set it up. Right. And, you know, I had that same feeling actually about the intro. I commented to Lisa earlier today um, that the wretched wife. Lisa Baldwin, obviously, um, that I felt like the first five, eight minutes felt a little bit forced. Like it was, okay, we're going to, we're going to have fun for fun's sake here. We're going to launch this thing with some energy. And it just felt a little bit forced to me. And I know we're not going negative here or we can, if we want to, but I don't think we want to, but just that the, the intro to Han and the little action sequence they had in the beginning while fun, it, it felt a little forced. It was the worst Indiana Jones pre-title sequence I have ever seen. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> or the worst, or the worst that's Bond pre-title sequence I've ever not seen. Bad. Just yeah, yeah. It it didn't do it for me, and in it, my other thought that I had watching was that I thought I finally understand why they were interested in in the Alden Miller team to do this one, mm. because there were a lot of really great humor moments in there that were just, they were just situational. You know, they weren't forced. They weren't like slapstick. It was a lot of just really great, subtle, you know, again, I would say Indiana Jones, old school, serialish style humor in it. And that's, I think why they were drawn to, to Alden and Miller to, to do it initially. And there were a couple of scenes that I'm pretty sure those are the ones they shot. Like the intro one where Han just picks up the rock and acts like it's a thermal detonator. And I, I just, that felt like an improv, and I also felt that could have been very funny if they had actually taken the time to set it up instead of just it looks like desperation, funny, haha time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I think you mean Lord and Miller, right? Uh, Phil what did Lord I say? and I think you said Alden. Yeah, that's my bad. That's okay. No, no worries. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Well, getting let's let's talk about the job that Ron Howard did here with this movie, though, because I, I feel like talking about picking up the pieces and making something out of really what was a dangerous situation for Disney. I feel like Ron Howard stepped up and um, from reports I've read, um, he apparently reshot most of the movie, but in the time frame that he did it and to deliver like that, you got to hand it to Ron Howard. Yeah, no, it sounds like he reshot from the stuff that I've read uh, 70%. Okay. 
And from anything I've also read, you have to have directed better than 50% of the movie in order to get a director's credit. So he took over more than halfway through the, the initial filming. So clearly there were a lot of reshoots, but there's still a decent amount of, of Lord and Miller's stuff in there. Did, did I, I forgot to look, did they get any credit on the, uh, on the credits at yep. the end? Oh, they did. They are. Yeah. They are credited as executive producers. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Which we covered, is, we covered that story. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which is actually, that's fair. That's totally fair for assuming 90% of the information we've read is accurate. Right. Right. Um, lots of fun callbacks, obviously to the original trilogy. Um, and one big one to the prequel trilogy, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that um, now and, and moving forward in the show. But um, they, they, they called back a lot of stuff. They even yeah. called back to a lame Star Wars video game from the, <laughs> uh, from the late 90s, early, early aughts. And I don't remember the exact name of it because I am actually not that big of a nerd. But it's, uh, it's towards the end when they're on the fuel planet and uh, Kira – is in the room and like takes that guy out and, and L3 is like, wow, how did you do that? And she references a specific fictional martial art right. in the star Wars universe, uh, Tyrus or something like that. But that is actually the name of a horrible star Wars fighting themed game that is widely regarded as not only probably the worst star Wars game ever produced, but one of the worst fighting games ever produced in the history of video games was a ripoff of uh, Mortal Kombat when that thing was popular in the late 90s. So okay. you, you're like, you know, you pick Luke Skywalker, you pick Han Solo, or you pick Mara Jade or, or one of those characters, and then you fight a bad guy. Because the premise is that the uh, Empire sent a bunch of these people to assassinate Luke, but Luke convinced them to, like, engage in, like, hand-to-hand noble combat instead. And that's the, the premise and setup of the, <laughs> the game. And you that's fight awesome. using that specific martial art. So they, they drop it in there as a as a reference and a tease to bring that uh, that non-canon stuff back in and if scott were here or if scott had seen the movie more importantly i guarantee you he would have gotten that as opposed to me and everybody else in the theater that had to look that up afterwards <laughs> yeah i i heard that dialogue and she she delivers it so quickly that i didn't quite catch what she said um which what did you think about the fight at the end and and the the um, staging of that. Did, did you buy it? Did it feel real to you? The the double double cross at the yes, end. Yes, yes. It actually did. I was kind of waiting for the moment to exhale on it when I was like, oh yeah, right. That wouldn't. That makes no sense, or that's too much. And it it was not as smooth as say uh, the Sting or even Ocean's Eleven. Right. But it didn't feel hokey or stupid like a Scooby Doo episode or anything like that. <laughs> Now, of course, that led us to the showdown with Han and Woody Harrelson, Harrelson's character. I still don't know the names. I think it's uh, Beckett. Beckett, yes, on the beach. And I was really stoked to actually see Han shooting first at the end. Yeah. There. Oh, yeah. I walked out and I was like, okay, that was pretty badass. But then they had him show the sort of the, the double-edged sword that is Han with the being able to emote and care for his friends, and yet, you know, he shot Beckett first. I I love that. Well, you know, that's why Han and Leia uh, broke up and didn't stay together, right? <laughs> no. Han shot first. 
never let her go first. Well no. played. Well played. No. no um, yeah. <laughs> but got to think about basketball, my friends. <laughs> got to think about basketball. Oh, hold on. This will this will here. Uh, here we go. There we go. There we go. Um yeah, I really I really like that scene. Um I also, of course, I mean, uh, well, my mind's here. We might as well go there. Did you know that Darth Maul was in the movie? Had you I did I did not know that Darth Maul was in the movie. Okay. I I read and I uh, to be honest, I had to read about it afterwards, and I felt kind of dumb because as soon as I did, I remembered we had talked about this on the show. But I was very confused because I I was recalling that the last time I saw Darth Maul, he was in two pieces falling down a giant shaft. Yeah. And that concerned me a little bit on the timeline. But then I went back and remembered after reading that, yes, Darth Maul survived. He got all these cybernetic work done and went on to be like a crime lord syndicate head anyway in – clones and rebels and some other nonsense that's come out and that's something we should talk (laughs) about is the other nonsense that they put out and how much they lean on that as a studio it occurred to me that's a big difference between them and marvel well scott's going to be all over this because this was if you're a fan if you're a casual fan and you watch these movies then you're not scott you are completely confused by seeing darth maul in this film like, whoa. Yes. And, and he stands up and they show him with legs. If you had watched The Clone Wars, you know that he actually used his force powers to stay alive. You got so dark and so deep into the dark side of the force that he was able to pull components. And he had these sort of like spider legs together. He was living in this junkyard. And uh, he was eventually found and was able to like have biomechanical legs assembled into his torso um, but went to a really dark place and it's actually a really cool part of Star Wars The Clone Wars I think it's season 5 or 6 season 6 was the really short it might be season 5 um, but yeah that's worth a watch if you haven't seen that I think he's also in Rebels but I, I didn't keep up with Rebels as much as I did with uh, The Clone Wars but uh, yeah if you're for a casual fan you're going First of all, why is Han Solo in this movie when I just saw him die two movies ago? And why is Darth Maul in this film? I think there's some serious potential for confusion here. Yeah. I do too. And they didn't uh, they didn't refer to him by name anywhere in the movie. Yeah. And if you stick around for the credits, he's just Maul, not Darth Maul. Oh, that's a good point. He's not well, he's not a Sith yeah. Lord anymore. Yeah. Nope, nope. He uh, apparently you know, got let go and lost his title and hopefully he was able to keep some benefits and a 401k, but <laughs> although he did use the force, the one scene we see with somebody using the force is from Maul in this, in, in the movie. And yes. It's the only did... lightsaber we see as well. Yeah. And I thought that was cheap. Yeah, I wow. thought that was a cheap way to be like, let's keep the lightsaber string going. No, you know what? Somebody's going to break that at some point. If you're going to stay committed to these things and yeah. I'm sure we'll have a discussion about if you're going to after the box office totals, but you got to break the string of the lightsaber in every movie. It's, yeah. it's meaningless. Nobody cares. I will applaud you when you do it. And it was, it was just for show, purely for show. There's no um, uh, benefit to the plot or the, the richness of the story with him igniting his lightsaber using the force while he's on a phone call with, with, car, with yeah. Kira. Yeah, yeah. It's we, Disney, pointless. it's 
It's lightsaber porn. We don't need it. <laughs> Although we had a cool new double bladed light double bladed lightsaber. I think it was the new hilt we saw. I don't I don't think that was uh oh on Darth Maul. Yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah. sorry. I thought you were talking about the the blades the Paul Bettany character uses. Oh, no, no, no. No. No, I think Darth Maul's hilt looked like it had been like he got a new one. It, I, one would assume so because Obi-Wan cut the last one in half. I don't think that one's going to heal with force powers. That's right. I'd forgotten that. <laughs> I'd forgotten that as well. Um, Fuck. A few I can't other... remember people's names. Don't feel bad about it. It's all right. A um, few other uh, big ones that I, I noticed. Um, we learned about finally about how parsecs were calculated and how it is about a distance rather than a speed right we knew yes. that but we but we learn how he how han solo is able to steer the falcon uh through the kessel run in only 12 parsecs he takes a shortcut basically yeah 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 That's pretty cool and almost dies <laughs> yeah, well of course because he almost flies into the ma right which yeah. is that gravitational center that's in yeah. now that part was a little bit confusing to me i gotta go that's a second viewing third viewing thing for me um but i did read today that the ma is another piece that they brought back from the extended mm -hmm. universe that was in the jedi academy trilogy of books it's referenced yes. there yes i read those books and i kind of wish i hadn't but yes the ma was in there well apparently we need to read them because wasn't there a reference from in the Last Jedi, also from the the Jedi Academy books. I yeah, what it just, was. I, I, oh, it was I the just, Force I projection. Was, it was the Force projection. Ability yeah, to I was Force just, project. Yeah, I was just never a fan of those books. That was it. Just felt kind of forced to me. Yeah, yeah. Pardon the expression. Yeah. Right. Hold on. I'm a little slow tonight. There we go. Um, no. So I, I, I always thought they were sort of like um, for little kids. To be honest with you. I didn't think they were going to be a source for canon. Bite your tongue, sir. I read. I own all three of those books. <laughs> hey, man. I, uh, yeah, no, no, no judgment here. I mean, I, I, you know, I play with Star Wars toys, and I have a Star Wars room, so you know, whatever. I feel very judged. <laughs> um, let's see what else. What other big moments um, can we talk about here? Um. So the chase um, coming out of the Maw with the Star Destroyer was pretty cool. We saw a new TIE fighter. I think a TIE bomber or a heavy TIE or something that, was, so, that we hadn't seen before. Yeah, so let me just let, let me just ask this question, right? Yep. What was the Star Destroyer doing there? That was the only Scooby-Doo plot element of the whole movie. It's just like out of nowhere, there's a Star Destroyer. Well, that's curious. And they're flying a bunch of TIE fighters that we've never seen before, which is a little odd since that time frame exists and it's already kind of explored. Well, didn't we have it? Didn't they have a tracking device on the Falcon? I can't remember the the sequencing was, in the movie though. Yeah, but, that was one of the the that was one of the like the swoop bike gang. That wasn't the Imperials. Oh, okay. And they're not working together at all. They don't establish it. The Imperials just show up okay. and shoot at them and chase them into the maw. Okay. And those are some well-trained Imperial pilots. Cause I got to tell you something hearing what everybody said about what the, the maw and that section of space was like, yeah. I see a ship flying to it. No way in hell I'm chasing it. Yeah. 
I'm just going to assume it went off a cliff and file a report when I get back. Now, talking about the ship, though, uh, the Falcon was really fun. Looks great. No surprises. Uh, for for, it looks great for a while. For a while. <laughs> it it, uh, it kind of it, it puts an exclamation point on Luke's, what a piece of junk. It's kind of fun <laughs> that we learn yeah. why it's such a piece of junk. Um I kind of wish that they didn't have the tour of the Falcon before we saw the movie. I would have loved to have seen that episode of the Star Wars show after. But, I mean, I understand because I think they needed to sell this movie that way. There's the Falcon as being one of the main characters. Um, but I would have preferred not to have seen it until being in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. And... But it did. It was awesome. I, I mean, I. It's you know, to see that ship go down the way it did, and I love when the uh, the center cushion thing was on fire, and Lando goes, "Oh, that's the custom piece." You know, um, there's a <laughs> lots of little lots of dialogue in there that I, I'm sure on a second viewing I will enjoy. Um, it was. Uh, I I gotta say the one moment in the movie that I got serious chills was when Chewie took the pilot seat or the co-pilot seat for the first time. That was like, Oh my God, we're seeing this for the first time. That was pretty cool. I got chills when they, they very smartly in the music construction for this movie. Mm. You don't get any traditional star Wars music cues until solo drops in the pilot seat for the first time. Yeah. And then suddenly it's, fanfare and Han Solo theme and they mix in the asteroid belt theme yeah. from uh, Empire which I, I clapped at because I'm a giant nerd well I know you love that piece of music in particular and I was I thinking do. about you when he was flying and it was they 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 had the same that same theme song playing and oh my god that was fantastic that was really good they did a nice job with that yeah <clears throat> that was good. Now stuff. your favorite, your favorite actor was in there. Speaking of gratuitous streaks, no, he he was yeah. in there. Anthony Daniels is in Solo. He's just not in Solo as C three PO. No kidding. What what part did he play? It's uh, he's one of the the human slave revolters on the on the fuel planet. Oh, okay. When when Han is like trying to bring all the stuff back up and all the people riding around him. Well, one of those people who yelled something and ran off camera real quick was Sir Anthony Daniels. Okay. Oh, so he has a speaking line in the film. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> well, great. I'll have to look in for that and isolate it and play it over Burn and over and tape. over because I love that man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that's a streak that needs to die. <laughs> Along with the lightsaber streak. It needs to die. And you know what? If that streak doesn't die until after episode nine, then okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. it doesn't die after nine and there's not an actual plot point around it. You're crazy. Yeah. You're crazy, Kathy. I'm talking to you, Kathy. Directly to you, KK. Directly to you because I know you listen to this show. All right, so let's let's double back on ourselves a little bit um, as we are want to do and uh, talk a little bit about Alden. What did you think of his performance? Did you did you look at him on camera and think that's Alden Ehrenreich, or did you buy that he is Han Solo? Most of the time, I bought that he was Han Solo, and I can't think of specific examples where I didn't. 
But I just know there were moments where I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that, that Han would do that. Yeah. But that was not, it was not often and it didn't last long. Yeah. I, I had a similar feeling. I, I liked when they had callbacks to lines of dialogue from Han in the past. Like just one that, that jumps out at me right now is he says, trust me. And I think, I feel like the way he delivered that line was intentionally very much like Hans, like a Harrison Harrison. Ford's delivery. Yep. Yep. And there was a couple of other moments where I thought, Oh, that's a line that I've heard him say that before, you know? And I, I like that they did that. Um, he looks more like a young Harrison Ford than I thought he did. I oh, thought, yeah. I thought they did a great job of with the lighting and with his hair and everything. He looks like a young Harrison. He and he did a lot with his facial expressions. And there were there were a couple of moments where he was being like kind of big, boisterous, bluffing Han, which which I didn't like most of the time. But mm. he did a lot with his face and just kind of how Harrison Ford you know, would do, would do yeah, these big moments. Yeah, yeah, And he did a lot to mimic it without looking like he was doing a bad impersonation of it. Yeah, I, I caught that as well. It seemed like he was grinning a lot, like when he was trying to, like, yeah. you know, schmooze people or talk his way into whatever they were, he was trying to talk his way into. Um, yeah, but and at one point I went, come on, it's a little much, but it, it, it was fleeting. It was fleeting for me as well, as it yeah. sounds like it was for you. So what did you think of the fact that Lando's a big, fat, dirty cheater? <laughs> it was perfect. I thought Donald Glover was great. Um, I completely – and Alden, I, I buy him as, as Han Solo. And Donald Glover, um, he screams Lando to me. I thought he did a great job. Um, he's a dirty cheater. That's right. I, was, I, I actually didn't like that. Oh, you didn't? Now I, huh. I looked at Lando and I'm like, I don't think, I don't think you would just have like this cheesy freaking Looney Tune like thing up your sleeve to slip yourself uh, a card. Yeah. Well, but Han took advantage of it. Yeah. Han, Han took advantage of it. And that's how Han won the, uh, won the Falcon because he could cheat better than Lando. Right. Uh, it's interesting because in the trailers and the build up to the movie, we did not see the second card game. Yes. So that was a little bit of a twist, an unexpected. That was kind of cool. <laughs> that worked. I thought it worked. Yeah, uh, it was a nice little bit of marketing. Yeah. What did you think about the Beckett character? I liked the Beckett character a lot. I was like, this is, this is, I think, what they were trying to do with the Benicio del Toro character in the Last Jedi. Yeah. And I don't think they quite, I don't think they quite hit it. I, you actually learn actually in watching the last Jedi document, the director in the Jedi documentary that, uh, or maybe it was the commentary. I forget, but the last line DJ has where, uh, he goes just, you know, maybe right. Instead of having a wisecrack remark. That was a Benicio del Toro improv, if you will, on the set. He, okay. he went to, went to Ryan and said, I, I really think it would be something like this because you have something definitive. And I think he would just, he would do this instead. So they did it. And Ryan was like, wow, that was a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think these these uh, I think it's great when actors are able to do that when the director gives them that kind of flexibility because clearly, uh, if the actor knows the character, sometimes the actor knows the character more than the director, um, and it, it tends to work out. Um, I thought also that Woody did a good job. I I have mixed feelings about Woody Harrelson. I I don't think I like him. I'm not sure why I don't like him, but then he always does a pretty damn good job um 
you know, like the character in the Hunger Games trilogy. Uh, is it a trilogy or four? It was I think there's four, four movies. Hunger Games. I it was it was four. It really should have just been three. It could have been three. He uh, he annoys me in that movie and in, in that in that series. Um, and I think I've let that sort of color him um, in my mind as someone who should not be in the Star Wars universe. But I thought he did a great job. Um, I liked Amelia Clark. Uh, I thought who, who doesn't? I I, thought, I mean she's she's gorgeous and got the cute British accent. She's got it all going on that way. But I like the character as well. Um, although my daughter had an interesting comment. We walked out of the movie and she mm-hmm. said she liked it, but she she pointed to the dialogue and she she said specifically that the the dialogue given to Amelia Clark was she thought was weak. Um, she wanted a stronger female character. Did what did you what did you walk away with thinking about Kira and Amelia Clark's portrayal of her? Uh, her arc was actually very predictable mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean I figured that there was going to be a betrayal there. I just wasn't sure if it was going to be a single, a double, or a triple betrayal yeah. on the part of her on the part of her character. But like I said, it was the least interesting arc in that she clearly is an antagonist, and the smart thing is for her to stay an antagonist at the end. So, so that's I'm just saying that's a long-winded way of that's probably why her dialogue is not that interesting. Is that there's not as big of a journey as for her character to go on. Right. It's the audience realizing that the character has already been on a journey. Uh, I also, well, the the actress that's getting all the run is not, and kudos for this movie is not Emily Clark, but is uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge, who lends her voice to L three, and I thought they did a great job with that with that character. Um, I'm getting a little tired of the smart Alec droid. Um, sidekick, uh, but but overall, I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the character. Had some really good lines in the film. Yeah, at least it was a at least it was a more unique twist on it than they did with K two S O. Yeah, that's true. I love the one line where she's talking to Kira, and Kira's sort of not really sharing much. She's like, "Okay, come on, we're alone, girl. It's okay. You can share." You know, I thought it was cute. I thought it was really good. Yeah, she definitely. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's the first female, like legit female, as opposed to 3PO who's just feminine, legit female robot character we've had in the Star Wars universe, right? Or at least on on screen. Yeah, although the silver protocol droid in episode one, I want to say was a female. But I could be wrong about that. I have to go back and check myself on that. But um, Well, technically you have to check the droid, not yourself. But It wouldn't be the first time I've checked a droid. Hey, for parts, fully the functional. Is gonna get, the porg is going to get jealous, sir. It's okay, honey. <laughs> porg is always looking over my shoulder. Yeah, it is. Watching me. Um, all right. Well, this was just a quick check-in. I wanted to just see, uh, get your take on this, Dave. It sounds like you're giving this this film a thumbs up. Oh, yeah. you should You should absolutely see it. I honestly don't think you're going to see it more than once, though. But let me ask you a presentation question because I felt like it was just dark at my theater. Like the print was physically dark. Like it it, the whole thing looked like it was shot through a filter and it was driving me crazy. I felt like the trailer was clearer and brighter. Mine was okay. Did you have that impact? No, mine was okay. Okay. Where did, where did you see it? 
Oh, I, uh, I, well, I'm not going to say now because it okay. sounds like I'm doing a presentation <laughs> of bad, a bad knock. But but it was I'm not the- trying to do. It was a theater that you've been to in the past. It's a theater that I have been to in the past, yes. And that we've been to in the past, perhaps. I do not remember, to be honest. Okay. All I don't right. think so, but I could be wrong. Okay. Now, mine was fine. Um, good. I'm going to go again. We just, we just, uh, you know, just did the local uh, Edwards, and it was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It was good. Good crowd. Kind of subdued. And we should talk yeah. about that, too, by the way. There, um, there weren't a lot of big crowd reaction moments, but yeah, it true. was definitely – it was not the crowd that we had for Infinity War by a long shot. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, high energy for Infinity War and for Black Panther. And packed for Infinity War. There yeah. were far less people in the theater for this show. Well, and we talked offline, and we will just we might as well talk about that now as well, that the box office for this movie for a Star Wars film – is coming in a bit low for this opening weekend. It is coming in a bit low, and I, I honestly feel it's, it's not as much to do with the movie because the reality of it is there are a lot of hit movies out there that aren't good, and there are a lot of good movies out there that aren't hits. Yeah, I don't think the box office this weekend is reflective of the quality of the movie. I would personally rank it on my enjoyment scale as probably above the three prequels. Yeah, which also means it's above Return of the Jedi because I have uh, I have Revenge of the Jedi slotted below Revenge of the Sith right. on my popularity tree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it's a completely solid movie, but you just had Deadpool out, Avengers out. You still have Black Panther in theaters. <sighs> you've got a ton. It, it, you've got a ton of blockbusters in a very short period of time, and I I suspect people are just worn out a little bit. There are nine. Star Wars movies in the queue that we know of that have been confirmed. Two additional trilogies, a Boba Fett uh, standalone. We've talked a lot about the Obi-Wan movie. I don't think that's been announced formally by Disney, but it's been reported uh, by quality sources of being in development. We're announcing it right here, folks. (laughs) Take it to the bank. So Wretched Hive exclusive, based on exclusive reporting, meaning my imagination, <laughs> that the Kenobi movie is absolutely happening. Right. So, <laughs> well put. Um, and we'll talk about this with the other guys, but what is... If, what if is, only Sean Hannity broke news that way, the world would be a better place. <laughs> what? What is he... Well, he does instruct the president on what to say, so, you know. Maybe we can instruct KK on what to say. We're all screwed. <laughs> so, what is uh, what is a slow does it does a slow opening weekend impact the future of Star Wars? I mean, you know, we're used to 140, 150 million dollar minimum. I think um, I read earlier tonight that I think Rogue One was about 155 for opening weekend. This is right now looking which, about 85. Which uh, let's also movie. be real. Yeah, Memorial Day is historically not a weekend for a blockbuster opening. The biggest opening of all time is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man, Tell No Tales, whatever that shitty movie title was. But I know, shitty movie, I'm sorry, doesn't differentiate between all the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. I apologize for not being specific. (laughs) Jesus. Disney. I I could already hear the fan letters coming in. But that movie... 
got around 140 million dollars as its op- as its holiday hmm. box office total, hmm. which is which is very low when you think of a blockbuster. So, I think our expectations might just be a little too high sometimes for a Star Wars movie. It's like, oh my god, it didn't set a new record. Yeah. What's wrong? Is the franchise broken? Right. And like I said, it's a low typical box office total weekend anyway with a ton of good things already in theaters that people people want to go see. So with the kind of mixed reviews that it was getting cuz let's be real, it's not a great movie. It's a good movie. It's not a great yeah. movie. Right. With the mixed reviews that it's getting and that much good competition out there, it's probably not surprising that it did what it did. All right. So on a scale from 5 death stars to 1 death star, Dave Potter which one is good and which one's bad? Five would be... Five Death Stars would be Empire Strikes Back. One Death Star will be Episode 2. Okay. What do you give this movie? Three and three and two-thirds Death Stars. Three and two-thirds Death Stars from Dave Potter. I give it three and a half. I, I'm right there with you. Um, I liked it a lot. It's not a fantastic movie. It's a very good movie. And I will go back and say, I do feel like it recaptured some of that Star Wars magic for me. It felt like legit Star Wars, and I, I got to hand it to Ron Howard. I was really concerned about that, given what he was dealing with and having to fix. And I feel like he did an outstanding job. So I'll, I'll give it three and a half Death Stars. Yeah, and I, you know what? I hope he gets a crack to do one from scratch. I hope he gets a crack to do one that's completely just his way. Yeah. Because I would be interested in it. Yeah, well, absolutely. He should. He's a Lucas disciple, right? I mean, he grew up with Lucas in the film industry. And, you know, this is a movie that felt like George... That's a script that George really could have directed. And honestly may have benefited from him directing. And I wonder if that's... I had the same feeling. That's so strange that you say that. And I, I wonder if it's the cast in connection. Because it, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because I, I felt a lot of Kasdan with the humor and the way the story developed. I really enjoyed um, that part of it. And I felt like, yeah, George could have done this. And I think he paid a visit to the set at one point. Um, yeah, he's, he made a suggestion at one point that Ron Howard said as soon as he. Oh, right. Yeah, you know, as soon as he said it, I recognized it as a good idea and stopped it and we incorporated it. I don't believe Ron has said what that was yet. Yeah. So hopefully that'll that'll come up in an interview or you know on the commentary or something. I'm sure it will. I'm sure we'll we'll figure that one out. Well, Dave, thanks for joining in. Uh, we'll talk to you and the rest of the hive in a couple weeks. Yes, sir. All right. May the force be with us all. <laughs> nice try. <laughs>